Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, Episode 1, When Jesus Changed His Mind. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me on this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. Before my spiritual father, Bishop David Huskins, passed away, he preached the message that is the foundation for today's topic. Though today's thoughts are my own, he definitely opened my eyes to this revelation, and I want to honor him for that. Going back as far as Leviticus, we find scripture that compels us to love one another as we love ourselves. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all document Jesus telling his followers to do the same. My favorite passage where Jesus shares this commandment is in Mark 12. The religious elite of the time were essentially backing him into a corner by asking question after question concerning the Old Testament law. Verses 28 through 31 out of the Amplified Translation reads, Then one of the scribes, an expert in Mosaic law, came up and listened to them arguing with one another, and noticing that Jesus answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is first and most important of all? Jesus answered, The first and most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, life, and with all your mind, thought, and understanding, and with all your strength. This is the second You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In every one of the apostles' retelling of this commandment, you can see that this is very early in the ministry of Jesus. He hadn't performed his first miracle until he was around 30, and up until then we don't know much about his upbringing. The gaps between his birth, to his family's time in Egypt, to the miracle of turning water into wine were pretty substantial. We do know that he loved to visit the temple, so much so that when he was 12, he was found there listening to the teachers and asking questions. I can only imagine the wonder in the Savior's eyes as he heard the reading of his father's words. It must have been the first time he felt home in this strange land. The ministry of Jesus is such a marvelous adventure to follow, full of scandals, miracles, teachings, and tears. What I love most about these stories is that they are told through the lenses of his closest friends and followers in such a way that you really feel like you get to know them. Matthew sets the stage in a very accessible way. Mark gets straight to the point. Luke details galore. And John, ever the romantic, you feel so much heart just dripping from every word. In spite of their different communication styles, the message is very consistent across the board. Jesus was a people person. He was a relationship person. I truly believe that when he spoke those words, love your neighbor as yourself, he meant it literally. He was the son of God from heaven who knew what loving yourself truly should look and feel like. In the early parts of the Gospels, you sense this childlike exuberance radiating from him in a way that feels much like many young ministers today. 
They've got a message to share and a fire to fuel their travels. They're naive to the dark ways of humanity that can seep through stained glass windows in the same way it trickles into an underground brothel. When we're young and burning with a passion to share the good news of Jesus, many of us think the world is just waiting with great anticipation and a heart full of gratitude. Sadly, that is rarely the case. I remember a time when my little brother Israel and I were about six and eight years old. In children's church, we had made these little beaded bracelets to help us share the plan of salvation. Each bead represented a scripture and a step on the path to receive Jesus into our hearts. We were encouraged to wear the bracelets when we were out in public and when we felt the leading of Holy Spirit towards someone, we were to go and witness to them. One night after a late church service, we were out to eat at some like 24-hour pancake house and Israel noticed a man and woman sitting at a booth nearby. He was dressed in leather from head to toe and had ridden to the restaurant on a motorcycle so loud that all the restaurant windows rattled. The man looked so tough and cold, so little Israel decided he should be witness too. He marched so bravely in his little baggy jeans uh, over to the table, and he started asking loudly, Sir, do you know Jesus and that he loves you and that he wants to live in your heart? And I have this bracelet that can tell you all about it. The man looked him straight in the eye and told him with some very colorful language to leave him alone. Poor Buddy was so distraught that he ran back to our table, choking down tears, and then he sobbed into our mother's lap, I'm a failure at witnessing. A few minutes later, the woman who was eating with the biker came over and apologized to Israel and asked if he wanted to come back and show her friend his bracelet. He was still wiping his eyes as he walked over and then gave the whole message to the man. At the end, when Israel asked if he could pray with him, the man declined, but apologized for being so rude to him. They had just left the funeral of his best friend, and little Israel was the first target for him to unleash his anger and sadness. I wonder how many times Jesus was told to go away or to leave someone alone. I wonder how many times he watched grown men yell at little boys over something that had nothing to do with them. I wonder how long it took Jesus to realize that no neighbors could ever be loved because we first don't know how to love ourselves. I have to believe this thought weighed on him so much so in his final days that he gave a new commandment right in the middle of the Last Supper. John 13, 34 and 35 says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. He reiterates this new commandment two more times at the end of the meal. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that if you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. 
I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends, because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed and placed and purposely planted you, so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and that your fruit will remain and be lasting." so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. When I look into the chaos of the world today, not much has really changed since he ascended, and I can understand why Jesus seemingly changed his mind about where our love for others should come from. Or maybe he didn't change his mind. Maybe when he first told us to love one another as we love ourselves, he knew that we are selfish in our humanity, that his opening line, so to speak, needed to be something we could relate to. Most people believe we know how to love ourselves to some degree, right? Perhaps Jesus knew that was a good place to start, but as we all know, last words matter. When Jesus chose to issue a new commandment three times in his final meal with his friends, he knew that he had set the best example he could. He knew that if we loved like he loved, we could be then able to love ourselves. He knew that if he showed us what it meant to lift up our neighbors, then we could truly follow his perfect example. By loving as he loved, the world could truly return to the garden it was created to be. I am learning every day how to choose his ways of love over my own, learning how to love myself the way that he would. It's a challenging journey, but he left us the perfect treasure map to follow. If you are in a similar place, learning how to love yourself and how to love others well, why don't we just take a moment to pray this prayer together? Divine Creator, you sent your son Jesus to earth to show us the way the way to live, the way to love, the way to grow. Meet me in my frailties and expand my way of thinking. Give me the heart of your son, Jesus, a heart that sees the brokenness behind the rough edges, a heart that holds the love of Christ equally for those I come in contact with and for myself. Let me embrace the warmth of your love so much so that when people look in my eyes, they see the eyes of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with this excerpt from one of my favorite writers, Madeline LaIngle. If you're going to care about the fall of the sparrow, you can't pick and choose who's going to be the sparrow. It's everybody. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash Destiny Makes Music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.